Let's pray. Father, as we open your word and we bring to a conclusion Romans chapter 8 and this series on living by the Spirit, please encourage and teach us and imprint this kind of final message that Paul has deeply into our souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. On my way here this morning, I just pulled out of our neighborhood. I'm on State Street, heading towards 74 and kind of toward the church. And I see up ahead of me on the sidewalk, there's this guy who probably early 20s, teenager-looking guy, kind of thin, somewhat tall, um, dancing on the sidewalk. And just all out, I mean, going for it. He's just, just dancing. Um, it is 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, and he's on State Street on the sidewalk dancing away. Um, and as I got closer, you could see large headphones on him. <laughs> he was hearing something that I clearly was not hearing and going to the beat. And what didn't matter to him, apparently, was anything around him. What he was hearing was directing what he was doing. And as I saw it, I thought, that is the perfect image for this message. As Paul comes to the end of Romans 8, he's getting ready to shift topics. Up to this point, he has been talking about something, and he's bringing it to a conclusion. And he's going to have another topic from 9 through 11, and then he's going to switch to his application section. But as he comes to the end, there's something that he really, really wants us to know. Um, It is the climactic moment, and here's what I picture. It is the music that Paul listens to all the time. If Paul were wearing headphones that were blocking out other things, because how many voices are speaking into our lives? Can you even name them all? And there's so many things that are speaking. I think Paul is listening to this particular music, and it is directing his steps. It is directing his dance moves. And if somebody looks at him weird, he doesn't care. He's hearing it, and he wants us to hear it. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. We are on page 1610, if you're in that Black Pew Bible. If you don't have one near you and you want one, you can kind of lift a hand and somebody will throw it to you or bring it to you or probably not throw it. They're kind of big books. Conk somebody out with the Bible would be bad. Page 1610. Music that Paul is hearing. Verse 31. What then... Shall we say in response to these things? That's his big opening question as he comes to the climactic moment. As he brings everything to an end, to a close, he asks this question. What should we say in response to everything God has done? And if you go back, this is especially talking about chapters 5 through 8. And he starts off chapter 5 by talking about the love of God being poured into us about us being having peace with God. And then he goes on to talking about how we've died to sin and we can live new lives. 
that there's no condemnation in Christ. And on and on, all these beautiful things that we've been studying. What do we say in response to all of these things? And here's what Paul says. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, if God stands with us, who in the world can possibly stand on the other side? That's his question. Now, we know the answer to that question, right? I mean, if God's on your side, is it possible for anybody else to stand against you? Is it possible for there to be anything that could ever win against you? That's his question. If God is on our side, who can stand against us? And he goes on to say, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? How do we know that God is really on our side? We have all these things Paul's talked about, but he said he's given up his son. I want to talk for a moment about love. Jesus made this statement in the Gospel of John. Greater love has no one than he would give up his life for a friend. Here's the thing about love. There's lots of ways you can love somebody. But perhaps the greatest way that you show love is when you sacrifice. Let me give you an example. I'm going to compare two things. Truffle oil and Hall Cabernet Sauvignon. My wife loves both of them. And at dinner, if we get down to the very last bit of truffle oil and I give it to her and I don't take it, it will mean something to her. But you know what? Truffle oil is like, eh. Sorry, honey. (laughs) It's fine. She loves it. But it doesn't cost me much to give her the last of it. However, we don't get to have a bottle of Hall Cabernet very often. It is one of our favorite bottles of wine. And if I give her the last of that... It will mean far more to her than giving her the truffle oil. Why? Because it costs me something. It shows her something about what I'm giving. Here is Paul saying, God has given the most valuable thing he has for you. If he's done that, if I give my wife the end of the hall bottle of wine... Do you think I wouldn't give her the end of the $20 bottle of wine? The end of the $10 bottle of wine? I mean, if he's going to give up his son, how will he not also give us all things? And look at the language Paul uses here. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Not reluctantly, not in anger, not begrudging us, but freely saying, I've given my son. How will I not give you anything else freely so as paul comes to this point he asks this question and this is the thing we need to see if god is for us it's not possible for anything else to be against us and we know he is because he gave us his son now paul will break it down into two things here they are verse 33 who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. 
it is God who justifies. Now, he's going to repeat this question in a moment in a different way, but let me just address the question. Who can possibly bring a charge against somebody that God has justified? Now, don't hear Paul wrong. People will bring charges against him. Even if you read his letters, you will see there are people accusing him of all kinds of things. But if God is justifying him, if God is saying, Paul, you're in the right, what does it matter what somebody else says? People will bring charges against you. In fact, and just please hear this, you will bring charges against you. Do you ever condemn yourself for some of your actions and get lost in some of the guilt? And yet if God justifies no charge brought against you is going to matter because he has absolute authority. Right? You might find this hard to believe, but sometimes my kids fight with each other. I know that's weird, um, especially the boys. Could you imagine two boys two years apart not fighting? I mean, they sometimes fight with each other. And if I happen to hear the fighting... And often it's downstairs in the basement. I'm not sure what that's about, but somehow you guys love to fight in the basement. It's like fighting zone. You know, that's where Fight Club is held, in our basement. So I run downstairs, and when I get there, both of them begin to, you know, tell me why the other one is wrong, right? What charges they have against one another. They're just going at it, and I always have to stop, wait. I do my best to go, all right, you first, or you first, or you went first last time, now you go first, whatever, and they get it out there. And then... I make a judgment call. And that judgment is either you are wrong and you are right, or you're both kind of wrong, let's figure this out. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what the judgment is. It matters who made it. Once I make the judgment, they cannot overturn that judgment. Nobody, all right, almost nobody. Mom can overturn the judgment. But, you know, it's mom. But... Nobody can overturn that. When God our Father justifies, it doesn't matter what was brought against us. He has declared us in the right. Paul restates the question. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because it is a restatement. He says, who, who then is, who is the one who condemns? I'm much like bringing the charge, who's the one that's going to condemn us? But he does add a second thing. It's not only the Father who is justifying, but look at this. No one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life. Interesting comment. We're going to come back to it. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So somebody comes along and says to you, you are an awful person. You have done whatever it is. And Paul would say, whatever that thing is, maybe you lied. Maybe you acted out in anger. Maybe you cheated on something. Paul says, Jesus died for that sin. And more than that, he was raised for it. Why is that so important? Because when God raised the Son from the dead it proved he accepted the sacrifice. If Jesus had stayed dead, he'd have been dying for his own sins. He could have nothing for us. He didn't die for his sins. He died for ours. And the very fact that he rose from the dead means 
The Father accepted that. And not only that, Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father, interceding. Jesus is saying, I died for that sin. You cannot hold it against my follower. And followers, you cannot hold it against yourself. At some point, you need to accept there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And again, I want to come back and just say something that Joe said in message number one. We do need conviction. You do need to know that God doesn't like our sin. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug. It costs the life of his son. But we also shouldn't get lost in guilt, feeling condemned for it. We need to go, I screwed that up. I want to get it right. God, I am sorry. Whoever you offended, I am very sorry I did that to you. I want to change. Conviction is not condemnation. Condemnation is when we get lost in the guilt and we feel awful and we feel like, I've got to do something to make it up. You cannot add to the sacrifice of Christ. He did everything possible, everything necessary. So Paul says, he died and rose and is interceding for us. Nobody can condemn us. Here's the second and final question. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Who can possibly come between you and Jesus? Is there anybody who can make Jesus stop loving you? Or who can put up some type of barrier that the love of Christ can't get to it? Paul then adds to it, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He just listed a whole lot of things. For a moment... Would you please think about some of the hard things you've gone through in your life? I'm sorry to bring this up. I want you to bring them up. I want you to think right now about some of the most challenging things you've gone through. Some of the hardest things you've gone through. These words that Paul says here, this is not just theology for Paul. This is lived experience. I just want to read to you a little bit about what Paul has gone through. This is from a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely, and I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times he's been whipped 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I've been shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea and I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my fellow Jews, from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city and the country and at sea and from false believers. I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've been cold and even naked. Now, don't compare your list. That is not the point. What I want you to hear is that Paul has gone through all of those things 
And he says, none of that separated me from the love of Christ. Now, to me, and maybe to you, that kind of sounds like a weird thing. Have you gone through anything in your life that made you doubt the love of God? Maybe just in the moment, maybe not now. Have you gone through anything in your life where you wondered if God was still on your side? Maybe you were praying over something and it didn't change. And you wondered if God is on your side. Can you imagine how many times Paul might have been in that point? Looking at that list, I think, sadly, I would have given up at some point. And yet here is Paul saying, none of that separated me from the love of Christ. How in the world can you say that, Paul? And yet he says more. Here's his answer. Now, verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors. That's a very famous phrase. You've probably all heard it. There are like shirts made out of it. There's, you know, whole like series of more than conquerors. Um, it's a fun word. Niakeao in Greek. It means to conquer, to overcome. But then they add this prefix, huper, beyond conquering. What is beyond conquering? Like you either win the battle or you don't, right? You either overcome or you don't overcome. And here's Paul saying, no, we go past that. We don't just overcome. There's more than that. What could the more be? Most scholars think Paul is hearkening back just a few verses. When Paul made this statement, God works for good in all things for those he loves and are called according to his purpose. And what I said about that is God takes even the bad and can make it good, can move us toward being more Christ-like. I think what Paul means here is not only have we conquered, or he has conquered, he has come through the lashes, he's come through the shipwreck, he's come through starvation. And on the other side of it, not only did he come through it, he was more like Christ. He was more than a conqueror. God took what was so negative and made it positive in his life. And he was more than a conqueror. And he says that is the possibility for all believers in Jesus. I want to introduce you to someone or really a creature. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is Otter841. That's her name. Her name is Otter841. And if you were in Santa Cruz, California right now, she is running around near the coast, near in the villages and areas around there, stealing surfboards. <laughs> but more than stealing surfboards, she's being somewhat aggressive towards some people, and so both local and federal authorities are trying to capture her. And they've been trying to capture her for the last week. Guess what? She is overcoming. <laughs> so far, she has not been caught. Um, but she's not just a conqueror. She is the more than a conqueror because not only is she is evading them, she's winning the battle. But get us, guess what is happening in Santa Cruz in these areas? The locals are coming to her aid. <laughs> They're on her side. 
There are people that are getting dressed up as otters, and they're holding signs. Keep Otter 841 free. There's petitions going around. One of them has 50,000 signatures on it. And there's a bunch of memes going out for the otter. I will show you one of them. And if you've seen The Dark Nights, you'll recognize this one. Go ahead and go to the next slide. She's the hero Santa Cruz deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt her because she can take it. Because she's not our hero. She's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. The feds. (laughs) If you've seen The Dark Knight, you will know what this is from. She is right now more than a conqueror because she's not just winning the battle. She's gaining all of these people on her side to help her. We can be more than conquerors in Christ because we don't just come through the difficult things. On the other side of them, God wants that to be a positive in our life, wants it to be that thing that helps us be more like Christ, that changes us. And to know we can never get away from his love. Go ahead and go back to the black screen so people aren't staring at Batman, Otter. Let me just finish this passage. This is kind of his magnum opus right here. This is like the the high part of the symphony. This is the moment. For I am convinced, Paul says. And we've got to give him some credibility here. He has been through more than most people will ever go through in their life. And he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, no matter what we go through, and even death, what is the most final thing we know of? Death. When you die, you die. Now, if you're in Christ, eventually you're going to be raised. But neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, all the spiritual realities that we know about, no matter how powerful they might be, neither the present nor the future, no amount of time, what's happening now or what's going to happen. Neither any power, period, height, depth, or anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the music that Paul is hearing in his head all the time. There is absolutely nothing, and you can just imagine for a moment, a whip hitting his back. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. Here is Paul on his third shipwreck. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. And you can imagine, here's Paul with his headphones on, and you've got all these people around him going, oh my gosh, what is going on? This is awful and horrible. And Paul is going, I'm dancing. Now, is Paul hurting? Yes. Does Paul get angry at times? Absolutely. But he never has that music going away because he is more than a conqueror because nothing can separate him from the love of Christ. If there is one thing I could put in every one of us, you cannot be separated from the love of Christ. He wants you to be a conqueror. He wants whatever you go through. And by the way, as we've been saying all along, you're going to go through it. I know there are awful things people have gone through. I know what some of them are in some of your lives. Paul is still saying, none of that can separate you from the love of Christ. Will you dance to that beat? 
I'm going to end by telling you one last story. Back in 1946, Clara and Joseph met on a train going from Texas to California. Joseph was in the army. They met. They fell in love. He asked her to marry him. Clara, knowing that soldiers sometimes have wives back at home, wanted to make sure he was single. And it wasn't enough for his word. She wrote the government and asked, is he married? They wrote back and said, no, he is single. And so she accepted the proposal, and they got married in 1948. In 1950, he was shipped off to Korea. In 1951, he was captured and became a POW. She began to wait. She said, these are her words, talking about her husband, he was always looking out for my well-being. He wanted me to remarry and find some man who could give me more than he did. I told him, no, no. You had a hard time getting me to say yes. There won't be no more marriage. And so she waited. She eventually bought a house. He didn't want a house. He hated yard work. He wanted an apartment or a condo. She bought a house. She also hired someone to take care of the yard for him. So that when he came back, he would not have to do that. And she waited. In 2013, she finally got word. He had been killed in the camp. They were returning his remains. And this is what she said. I'm so happy. It's a closure. He's coming home. So here I am still his wife, and I'm going to remain his wife until the Lord calls me home. Nothing could separate her from the love of her husband. Sixty-three years she waited. She passed away in 2015, still his wife. That's what it looks like. That's what God has promised us for eternity. I will never separate you from my love. Let's pray. Father, sometimes words are hard to express how much you love us. Especially for us, if we've been in the church a long time, we've heard it a lot. Lord, I just pray we would understand it differently. We would embrace it, internalize it differently. That we would know in everything we go through, we cannot be separated from your love. That you are with us and that in you, we truly can be more than conquerors. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.